0: Welcome and good to have you. Kurt Mortensen here, podcast 418 of Maximize Your Influence. We're giving the skills to motivate, to negotiate, to influence, to persuade yourself, to persuade others, to be more charismatic and a better leader or all of the above all vital success skills. You look at all those skills, you have to think to yourself, the goal here is to get other people to want to do what you want them to do. And like doing it, and let me add, tell everybody else about it. That is the key to influence. That's where we're going. That's what we're talking about today. We're going to take a dive on when it's time to be quiet, or let's be blunt here, to shut up, to quit data dumping, to quit vomiting, and to stop the show up and throw up. I mean, how many ways could I put that? Huge complaint, huge blunder. One of the top things your prospects, your customers are complaining about when you come up with the 17 reasons, never persuasive. Doesn't work because you give things to think about, to research, they don't get, they don't understand, that confuses them, that overwhelms them because you're saying too much. So we're going to talk about when you know when it's time just to be quiet and ask for the business or better yet, know when they're done. And I'll just put it this way. They're done much quicker, much faster than you think. Again, we talk about those top mistakes, those blunders that are costing you business, cost you money. This is definitely one of them. Now, some people do need that data dump, but very rare. We'll get into it. Let's talk about it. So bottom line, this is going to save you time. You'll sell more, persuade better, and, and make more friends, or at least keep your friends. So hope you're having a great week this week. Hopefully you took a tool we talked about last week and applied it and used it. That's the key. I tell everyone, the first time you use a tool, it does not work perfectly. The first time you golf, you swing, you public speak, you use a tool, it's not perfect. You have to get used to it, but once you get used to it, you've mastered it, you can put it in your toolbox, and you can use it. Even if you only use it once a year, it's still good to have it in your toolbox if it's going to seal that big deal. Have you ever heard of a post hole digger? Most of you probably haven't even heard of it, but those that have a post digger, and let me know if you do, because I have one. You rarely use it, but when you need it, when you need to dig a hole, a vertical hole, a post hole, this is the tool you need to have. So keep moving forward, keep achieving your goals, keep making things happen. My focus this week was a course on executive influence, upper management, and talking about presence, executive presence. That's a term that's fun to talk about, which is basically charisma and leadership and can you learn charisma? Can you learn to have presence? Well, hopefully I wrote a book called The Laws of Charisma, but the answer is yes, you can learn it. I promise anyone can become more influential, have a better presence, more charismatic, anyone. Now, some are missing more filters than others, but everyone can learn these skills. So with that, let's get into our persuasion blunder of the week. Don't go! Not gonna name names, but it's my accountant. You see, I had a great tax accountant, really liked him, good person, really good at what he did, but let's just say, keep the story short, he's no longer practicing, all right? Now I have to find a new accountant. So this was three or four years ago, and every year I've tried a new one. Some I didn't like, some were pretty good, some were okay. This last one I had was did a pretty decent job, but haven't heard from them all year. Not even during tax seasons did I hear from them. They expected me to contact them, which I guess is okay in some scenarios. And they just, I guess, weren't good enough for me to contact them. Now, if they would have contacted me, I probably out of ease would have gone with them. But now I'm in search for another accountant which is a strange thing, a strange trend in business where people expect them to contact you. Now, when you're really good, you're top-notch, it probably happens. But when you're just average and you can be easily replaced and there's nothing special about you, you should be reaching out to your prospects, to your customers, even to the people you know. You've probably heard the term before, million-dollar Rolodex. It's an old term. We don't even have Rolodexes anymore. But successful people know more people. So on the business side... You should be contacting all your customers and prospects, what, at least monthly at a minimum to keep your name in front of them. From a success standpoint, the people you know, your network, as you meet new people, put them into your network. Successful people have bigger networks. Everybody you meet knows somebody that can help you or they can help you some way, somehow. So meet new people, but as you meet them, get their information. You're probably already doing that. try to reach out and contact them at least a couple times a year. An email, social media, a voicemail, a text, something, something to keep your name in front of them. Nothing hurts me like this story. There was this new real estate agent, right? They're trained to contact family and friends, let people know I'm a real estate agent. This agent followed the plan, let everyone know, told everybody, Fast forward a few years, he was doing lunch with one of his better friends, one of his better friends, who was telling about how he just sold his house and and transitioned to a bigger house, and his friend's like, the real estate agent, and he says, well, why didn't you call me? Don't you know I'm a real estate agent? And his friend looked at him and says, oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Stay in touch. Don't be that person, especially if you want to grow. Now, if you have a business... You're top of the line. You don't need any more people. You have too many people. Maybe you don't need to contact them, but it's one of those best practices. So don't fall in that trap, which takes us to our persuasion, geeky, scholarly article of the week. This comes from the Journal of Cognition, Wired Magazine, and Doctors Cassantro, and Dr. DeZikstra, if I'm getting that one right. So this is titled... Upward physical movements bring back happy memories. So I've been doing a lot of research with metaphors, and and we use so many different metaphors in our everyday language, and metaphors tend to be more persuasive, and charismatic people use more metaphors, and so I've been working on a persuasion process that includes more metaphors. And this study blew me away. They said that physical movement and memory are so closely intertwined that even a seemingly meaningless motion, like moving marbles from one box to another, can change feelings can trigger feelings. So they're looking at this movement and feelings. And so an earlier study they looked at where right-handed people associate positive emotions when things go towards the right versus left-handed people experience the opposite. Left is positive and right is negative. They also found how smiling and frowning alters emotion and how sitting upright or slumping affects cognitive performance you don't think as well. And some studies being added to this Dr. Cuddy's research that all this cell phone use and the slouching and leaning overs is one of the reasons for all the depression out there. Interesting. So these researchers think that this motion is metaphorical, that we've come to associate spatial relationships with emotional values in our minds. And these physical motions activate the same pathways. So what they're saying is we associate these memories and these feelings with these physical movements. So here's the marble study. So students were asked to move marbles with both hands between two boxes. And as they moved the marbles, they were asked about times they felt really cool or ate something delicious. And when they were moving the marbles upward, the students were quicker to recall positive experiences and slower to remember to the negative. But when they were moving the marbles in a downward fashion, happy memories came slowly and sad memories came faster. Crazy, believe it or not, this is the study. So the findings suggest a metaphorical link between motion and memory. Now, I do know on a personal level, there's true to this. As a professional speaker, a lot of people tell me when I get to the, the venue and the stage, all right, this is the positive side of the stage. This is the negative side of the stage. And you learn that you point down for failure and, and you point up for success. And when the first person told me that, I'm like, mm, wait a minute, I don't know. But then everyone talks about it. Everyone does that. And this is a study that kind of verifies that. So think about movements and memory and metaphors and the importance of that in the persuasion process. That's our geeky article of the week. Time for a little podcast email. Of course, I can be reached at Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And of course, a a shameless plug, MaximizeYourInfluence.com is the place for everything you need. The Advanced Training, Influence University Get the free book, "Maxim Influence, the new edition. Pick up a little shipping and handling or take your persuasion IQ assessment. It's all right there. Remember, if I use your email on the show, you get a free subscription to Influence University, which is the advanced influence persuasion negotiation mindset training, self-persuasion training. So this email comes from Maria. She's from Argentina. Oh, boy. She says, thanks for Influence University. I am closing more sales and thanks for the podcast. I've started at number one. And I'm almost halfway caught up. (laughs) Okay, good for you, Maria. Of course, that's available in the archives that maximize your influence. She says, Kurt, I am a vomiter. I will admit it right now. I vomit on people. (laughs) I don't know if I need therapy, but I tend to vomit on everybody. That's how I sell. How do I fix this? And how do I know, as you say, when it's time to shut up and close the deal? Maria, great question. Let's talk about that. How do you know when it's time to shut up? How do you know when it's time to close? And I'm just going to put it out there. You might not like the word, but shut up. You're talking too much. You vomit on people. You data dump. Studies show that you're talking three times too much. And when you talk three times too much, like I said, you suck the emotion out of the room. They become different. They make up objections and they run. I've seen it too many times during a presentation when someone says, wow, that's great. How fast can we get started? And the presenter or salesperson says, Hold on, I'm not done with my presentation. Hello, it's time to shut up. It's a done deal. Now, why do we do this? Uh, It's kind of how we're programmed. We're afraid of the silence, so we keep talking. Part of it is we're terrible listeners. We get too excited to prove our worth. And I'm glad you're excited and passionate about your product. But a lot of times that causes us to data dump or talk too much. And part of it is our default setting is that we tend to persuade others how we like to be persuaded. We tend to sell others how we like to be sold. And you might be the type of person that loves information, that loves the data. They might not be. So why is this bad? Well, it's costing you money. One size does not fit all. It hurts that connectivity. It creates objections. And like I keep mentioning, it destroys the emotion. Doesn't feel right. That's the emotional side of persuasion. So how do we fix this? Okay, how do we fix this? No when it's time to shut up. Well, of course, with anything, being aware that you're doing it or at least opening up your mind saying, well, maybe I'm doing it. Maybe this is costing money. The first part is the importance of shutting up during your presentation, right? So you're just talking way too much. Do you know that introverts now out-persuade extroverts? Extroverts are salesy. They're pushy. They try to persuade. They back into a corner. Introverts, they listen. They ask questions. They're consultants. They're gathering information while they're listening. They take notes, good eye contact, whatever you need to do here. Bottom line here, and I've said this before, that if you can learn to shut up, listen, ask more questions, they'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them. And it makes the process much easier because you don't have to throw those persuasion darts hoping something sticks. You know exactly what you need to say and do to seal the deal. The second piece we need to talk about is when it's time to close, when it's a done deal, when they are sold, when they're persuaded, when the yes is in their mind So you don't have to keep talking. Remember, you're talking three times too much. So let's talk about that first one. How do we shut up during the presentation? Remember, people love to talk about themselves. Let them talk. Let them reveal the information. Let them help you seal the deal. Some studies show you should only talk 20% of the time. I know that seems low, but it's a good target. It should definitely be less than half the time. And let me just put it to you this way. Have you ever been excited to meet someone? Wow. They're sharp. They've done a lot. They've been successful. They can teach me something. And uh, you met them, maybe did lunch or something together, or they, or you had a meeting, and they just kept talking and kept talking and kept talking. And after a while, you're like, you know, they're not all that. They're not that sharp because they revealed who they are. You could be doing the same thing. You're just talking too much. You're like, oh, wow. And here's the ironic thing. The more you listen, the smarter they think you are. <laughs> Because sometimes when you talk too much, you say things that are maybe dumb or inappropriate or make no sense. So reduce the talking. Another study estimated that over 75% of the salespeople talk more than the prospect in the selling situation. Could be you, is you, we need to fix this. Studies also show people want to talk about themselves. That opens the doors to influence, increases the connectivity and the trust. So part of this is just being aware, asking more questions, formulating those questions ahead of time, maybe using a notepad so you can listen better. And of course, eye contact is a big piece of this. They need your eyes. We've talked about fubbing on the show before. That's a new word that's used that you're looking at your cell phone or your computer when someone's talking to you. Hello. I know you could multitask. I know you think it might not be a big deal, but they need your eyes. That shows you're listening, that shows you care. Turn off the monitor on your computer, shut the laptop, put your cell phone in a drawer, whatever you need to do, no more fubbing, because it is a big complaint. Learn to focus on them, not to focus on what to say next. If that's you always concerned what to say next, I don't want to forget, write it down on that notepad. We've talked about those listening skills. Learn to mirror and match their energy, their body language. They tend to open up more. And learn to listen with your ears, your eyes, and your heart. Why did they say that? What is the meaning behind that? And of course, you're always asking clarifying questions or answering a question with a question. And a couple of rules here that we already know. Wait a few seconds, maybe even five seconds before you respond. Even though you know the answer, it just shows that you're thinking about it, you're contemplating it, you're you've been listening. And of course, one thing that destroys confidence and breeds arrogance is when you cut them off in the middle of a question or an objection because you're so excited with the response. You know the response. You've given the response before. You've given the response thousands of times. Hey, first time they voiced it, you've got a pause. Don't cut them off. Then answer their question or solve their objection. So as you're learning to do this, you're always asking yourself the message, the real message. And if you're not sure, another question. Remember, great persuaders ask three times more questions. Can you tell me more about that? And then shut up. Listen, what exactly do you mean by right? fill in the blank? When you say blank, how would you define that? What does that mean to you? Have you tried that before? And of course, the most important is to summarize. So what you're saying is, because what they say the first time, what they mean could be very different things. Remember, you're peeling the onion back. You're treating them like a M&M. M&M. They have this hard outer shell, and you've got to get through that shell. That would be the relationship. That would be the trust. To get to the chocolate, to melt the chocolate down, to get to the peanut, which is the real issue. Sometimes we're just getting too much chocolate on us because we're not to the real issue. So you always summarize. Again, so what you're saying is, let me see if I understand you correctly, and maybe just own up a little bit. Yeah, I'm a little slow today. Let me see if I understand this. And so they're not feeling dumb. You take it on you, summarize so you know exactly what they're saying. They want to know they're being heard. Of course, it increases the connection. You're building relationships. It's increasing trust. They have to be heard. Even if you know the answer, they have to be heard. I've used this example before. The, when you go to the doctor's office and you're feeling sick, the nurse comes in, does all the vitals, and the doctor opens the door and says, Yeah, I know what you have. Good to see you. Scripts at the front counter, uh, you'll, you'll feel better in a few days. You'd be hopping mad, but let's back up. Let's say the doctor's 100% correct, saved you 10 minutes of time and just solved your problem. That does not matter because you feel violated. You needed to be listened to. You needed the doctor to ask you questions, and this is true in the persuasion process. Even though you know what's best for them, you've got to help them discover it for themselves, help them close themselves, and you do that with questions and becoming a better listener. So formulate those questions ahead of time, and you'll be able to find their true pain points, and they'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them. The second piece here is when do you shut up, you know they're sold, you know they're closed, you know they're persuaded, okay? You've got to be able to read them. Remember, you're listening with your ears, your eyes, and your heart. How do you know it's time to shut up? Well, the first one's the nonverbals. When their facial expressions relax, it looks like they've made a decision They're looking at the paperwork. There's approving glances between partners. There's a spark in their eyes. They're leaning a little closer. Their head starts to nod up and down in the yes motion. Their palms, their hands, their arms might relax a little more. They begin to mirror you. There's more energy in their voice. Look for those things and say something simply, sounds like a good fit. Let's get going. And they'll say yes. Or you say, do you see how this will solve your challenge? Do you see how this will? And you fill the blank and they say yes. Done and done. Or, over the phone, or even face-to-face, you got to hear what they're saying. Can you tell me about those terms again? Can you be more specific here? What's the exact number? Can I see a demonstration? When can I have that delivered? Who's using this product and service right now? Okay, that means you're close. You're getting there. A few more questions, they can see themselves using it. Or especially when you hear things like, wow, that's a great deal. Well, that's not expensive. I could see how we could use that. Wow, that's the best I've seen. Whew, that would work for us man, that would solve our problem. Done, done, and done. I'll answer that later. Or even if they answer and they keep talking, they're done. Pay closer attention to them. Treat them like the most important person on the earth. Don't keep vomiting and throwing up and data dumping or the 17 reasons they should do it. I know you're programmed that way, but you got to resist that temptation to do that. Remember the studies, you're talking too much, three times too much. These tools will save you a lot of time, make you a lot more money, be more persuasive. When you understand the buying signals knowing when to close, when you know that during the presentation you should be listening more than talking, it'll make a huge difference in your ability to sell, persuade, and make a better income. So there you have it. Another one for the books. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Reach out to me at Kurt at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Tell your family, friends, and enemies... Take something that you learned today, apply it, use it, make a difference in your life and in the world. Everything you need is at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Check it out. One of the things that's not there, I'll put a special link for the special of the week, is called 111 Sales Hacks. These are three to five minute videos. You can do as fast as slow as you want. Most people do one a day. This is your own personal bottle of persuasion spray where you can sell anyone, anytime, more tools in your toolbox. The special is 90% off. I'll let you check it out. Let me know what you think. Because as you know, it's all about more tools in your toolbox. So, you know the drill. Master this skill. Become a better negotiator, influencer, leader, and go out and persuade with power.